Hey, Scott. Yes, Liam. Uh, I have a pitch for you. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah, it, you should be. Uh, I want to take two classic beloved horror movie franchises. I'm on board. Yeah, that have had their premises just wrung dry over decades of sequels. Oh, no. And I want to take the last little bit of scraps of relevancy and have them fight like dogs in a pit. Uh, I have some notes. Welcome everyone to I Have Some Notes, the show that pits one mediocre premise against another mediocre premise to see who or what comes out on top. I Have Some Notes is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB Financial. I'm your host, Liam Kreswick, and with me today... Greg Beaver! And Scottsy Bourgeois. And we are going to be talking about the 2002 film Freddy vs. Jason. Now, it is worth noting, uh, this movie was inflicted upon us. <laughs> yeah. For having lost our summer blockbuster, Rotten Tomato Prognosticator. Yeah. And Flix X-Raid got to choose a movie that everyone who participated had to watch. And we specifically had to <laughs> try to fix. Yeah. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this, uh, this was a doozy. Inflicted is the right word for it. <laughs> I did not expect losing that bet that we would lose it so hard. Yeah. Yeah, this uh, this was uh, quite quite the film to watch. Uh, this, of course, uh, pits uh, Freddy Krueger from the Nightmare on Elm Street films uh, against uh, Jason Voorhees of the uh, Friday the Thirteenth film trilogy. Or trilogy film <laughs> quadrilogy. Quadri- many non, many films. Non-ilogy or whatever. Uh, just, it there's is. like I think there's like eleven. Oh, actually, no, I have it right here. Um, uh, this movie is the eighth and eleventh entry in the two respective franchises. So this is okay. Are either of you guys fans of either of these series? Um, n- n- no. <laughs> Here's the thing. I, I, w- I only, I'm going to say recently, in quotes, got into horror movies. Uh, when I was in my, in my teens, around the times that these movies were coming out, wasn't really into it. But that doesn't mean that I'm not familiar with Freddy Krueger or Jason Voorhees, mm-hmm. and that I'm not kind of vaguely up to speed on the stories of their movies because they're just kind of in the zeitgeist now. Yeah. yeah. Like you know who Jason Voorhees is the way you know who Count Dracula is. Yeah. Like yeah. and you have a vague idea of what the story is. Like you don't really I don't think you need to be uh, <laughs> a, a fr- super fan of either franchise to yeah. come into this movie going, I know who these guys are. Yeah. It does give you kind of like a, a quick breakdown of who Freddy is off the top. Like yeah, you get kind you of a primer. summation of yeah what the first movie was all about, right? Yeah, yeah like I don't, I haven't, I, I, I think I've watched two, maybe three Jason movies, um, um, and I haven't watched any Nightmare on Elm Streets. The first, the, like the first films in both series are great, fine horror movies, and then just like every sequel, it diminishing, Dim- yeah. diminishing returns every time. And here we are as the eighth and eleventh entry into the two respective franchises, and uh, diminished returns is uh, in all caps. Yeah, uh, <laughs> is it ever? <laughs> And barely the sum of its two parts. Uh, Robert Englund, of course, returns uh, as Freddy Krueger. He played Freddy Krueger in all the Freddy Krueger movies. Notably, the actor for Jason was not invited back. Yeah, uh, they uh, they did not bring him back because they wanted a, a David and Goliath thing. They actually cast a taller guy to be Jason, oh. so that when he was up against Freddy, it was look like big lumbering guy, small spry guy. Right. Um, much to uh, the original um, Jason Voorhees, a, a gentleman by the name of I have it written here, uh, Kane Hodder. Uh, uh, lost the role to uh, uh, Ken uh, Kurtzinger. So as Kane, was he literally Jason in all the movies? I or? don't believe all the movies. But I'm sorry. he was the longest running, longest running. stunt actor gotcha. to play the character. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And then, of course, it also stars uh, uh, Monica Keenan, uh, Jason Ritter, and uh, Kelly Rowland, who I didn't realize was in uh, Destiny's Child. Yeah. 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 And directed by an individual named Ronnie Yu. So. Who did a bad job. Yeah. <laughs> he notably uh, was not a fan of either franchise and wasn't super familiar with either franchise. And the studio was like, that's perfect. Yeah. And put him in charge of this film. So, yeah. I mean, maybe the maybe the impetus behind that was that they were hoping he'd have a fresh take on it. Yeah. But I don't 
I don't think it served the movie. I don't think in a in a movie where it's like Titan versus Titan and a a culmination of two franchises that it was wise to go to do it that way. Like you probably wanted like a fan of at least one of the two. Yeah, this is very much the Marvel's the Marvel Endgame of (laughs) Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the Thirteenth, and having someone familiar with at least one of those franchises may have been a good (laughs) idea. Uh, yeah, perhaps money well spent though, because it had a thirty million dollar budget and its uh, uh, gross was one hundred fourteen million. Uh, though it ended up being uh, the series low, according to Wikipedia, the series lowest grossing film at the domestic box office and had the largest budget of any of the films to date. So, yeah. where, where were they spending the budget exactly? Um, yeah. I guess it was only thirty million, so I guess yeah. maybe it doesn't really. It's not really going to show up on screen. Yeah. No. The, the blood, uh, definitely. The blood in this looked like fake movie blood. Mm-hmm. I'll save that for the notes, but yeah, the, you can, that looked like $30 million and budget blood. Yeah, for two franchises that made their names on being kind of like gory slasher movies, there wasn't much gore in this movie. No. It no. didn't feel like that particularly shocking. No, it was mostly um, gross. It made me feel <laughs> gross for different reasons, you know, and... and uh, and that was that was kind of the most horror I got out of it. Well, we can go to the the trailer and uh, find out Freddy versus Jason exactly what that uh, uh, fight looks like. Warn your friends. Warn everyone. Welcome to my nightmare. Awake or sleep. Why won't you die? Go Freddy versus Jason. Place your bits. Freddy Krueger has fallen into obscurity, and his name is largely forgotten. I know that sounds like we're describing the franchise, but this is an actual plot point. Alone and sorely lacking children to torture, Freddy must find a way for the world to fear him again and regain his nightmare powers. And for some reason, he needs Jason Voorhees, a character from an entirely different franchise, to do it. Let's just save you 90 minutes of your life. Boobs, drinking, boobs, murder, sex, murder again, a diversion to a mental institute, drinking again, murder again, again, a trip down memory lane, a lackluster fight, an explosion, a lame fake out, roll credits. For for a franchise, like, I don't know if the premise of this movie is, even works on paper for me. Like, because Freddie Freddy is a villain and Jason is a villain. Like it's it's hard to even get them to the point where they're gonna fight. Yeah, you know, just um, based on on their on their specific powers and the lore behind them. And weirdly, I kind of disagree. Yeah, I actually the it took me halfway through the movie to fully understand why he needed Jason, but once they explained it, I'm like. That's a good, a good, a good, a ham-fisted reason, you know. Like Mario and Sonic don't need to be at the Olympics either, but like just any reason to get them together, like you know. But it was here's a good reason. Here's the thing: um, based on the lore of their two franchises and kind of the the motivations behind both of their killing sprees, they're natural enemies, mm-hmm. and that is intriguing and not at all really delved into in this film. Mm-hmm. Freddy Krueger loves to torture and traumatize children. And at heart, Jason Voorhees is a giant psychopathic man-child. And Jason Voorhees exists to punish uh, especially people who are uh, engaged in sexual promiscuity. And Freddy Krueger is literally a child molester. They are natural enemies. And yet, the movie falls flat. Hooray, because it doesn't really explore that premise, interestingly. Well, I found the whole opening sequence quite lame. And just, like, sort of hand-waving, like, oh, I'm I'm Freddy, I don't have my powers anymore, I need someone to help me get my powers, I'm going to, I'm going to send Jason Voorhees around Elm Street, and somehow that will give me my powers back. Like, it just, like, it was so... 
contrived. I was not. I did not yeah. appreciate that opening. Yeah, it didn't fully make sense until about halfway, where some of the characters kind of like remind you what the stakes are. And to, when I watched it, I ended up going back and watching that first few minutes to be like, oh, they they do explain it poorly, but they explain <laughs> it. Like, I also found one of the problems with the movie was that it's it's so bogged down in its own continuity. So, I mean, yeah. you you really do have to be familiar, especially with A Nightmare on Elm Street, to know what's going on. Yeah. And I feel like at, the Venn diagram between Nightmare and Friday fans can't be 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've, you've locked out a bunch of Friday the 13th fans who are coming into this movie looking for an awesome fight and have no idea what's going on. And you're also going to get a segment of people who are going to come to the movie simply based on the idea that I'm not really into Friday the 13th and I'm not really into Nightmare on Elm Street, but I kind of want to see Dracula and Frankenstein's monster fight. Yeah. Like, because I know who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of what we were touching on before with, you know who Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees are, even yeah. if you're not familiar with the franchise. I don't know who any of these sexy teens are. And by being so hung up on the continuity of specifically A Nightmare on Elm Street, it does a disservice to those people, too. Because this is a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Make yeah. no mistake. Jason Voorhees just happens to be guest starring. Yeah. Yeah. It's not really a mashup of both franchises. Because yeah. the the Friday the 13th stuff is almost incidental. And I feel like that's a missed opportunity, too. Like, why wasn't there a survivor of a Jason Voorhees massacre around? Telling people, guys, I know how to beat this guy. Yeah, and well, it's weird yeah. that he's back to life because in the last movie, he was sent to hell. Literally, the last movie was Jason Goes to Hell. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 100% because, like, they, I mean, they even open up the doors to, to there being room for another expert in the in the mental institute. You yeah. Could, you could literally have, like, one person is here who, playing... saw, who saw a Jason, a Jason murder and then the guy who was tortured by Freddy. And then, yeah. yeah and then they escape. <laughs> I thought the guy playing checkers was like, because I, I don't know, I don't know the the sequels well enough to know any of these characters. But I'm like, oh, the guy he's playing checkers with survived Jason, obviously. And then it's just no, buddy, I don't play checkers. Fuck off. And that was it. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, oh, goddamn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. With to me, like the um, the, the movie had a lot of, had the, the most interesting things the movie had going for it were often undercut by Jason Voorhees. Like there was <laughs> there was a, an, an an interesting uh, idea. Where the the town was the town the the grown-ups in the town knew knew about Freddie very well, and they were trying to protect their children from from Freddie by you know doing unspeakable things, which made it sort of like this uh, this kind of interesting sort of mystery of like why are the uh, why are the adults in this town drugging all their children and, yeah. and, and presumably sending them, you know, doing it so much that they're sending some of them to mental institutes or whatever, right? Yeah. And and that, like, that to me would have been a real interesting movie to reintroduce Freddy in canon to a new, younger audience. Uh, like, but but then you add um, Jason Voorhees into it and, he's, and he feels through most of the movie feels pretty incidental until we get to the point where um, Freddie and, and uh, Jason are actually fighting. And then we start to get some real backstory yeah. into Jason Voorhees, but it takes so long to get there. And he's just like, most of the time I'm just like, why is Jason in this movie? He doesn't belong in this movie. He's just, he's just because rampage it's a, for no because reason. It's a nightmare on Elm street movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing that I thought was weird is that there's no payoff to the plot with the adults. Oh yeah, no. like it goes nowhere. There's no there's no comeuppance to the adults for the terrible things they were doing. It's not exposed in any way. Nothing comes of the police being involved in the cover up. Yep. Like it's a plot oh. that that sets up an interesting mystery until the two bad guys fight, and then it's done, yeah. and it's never mentioned again. Ca- characters come and go through this whole movie, like. The co- we never hear from the cops again, except for the one nice guy who comes and sits down to help them. Yeah. That stoner character shows up halfway through Act 2. Uh, uh, the Jason Mewes character? Yeah. Yeah. Like, the <laughs> same with the nebbish nerd. Ca- it's like characters literally are just, like, coming and going from this movie in no meaningful way. I, I, I feel like we're going to get into a lot of um, uh, uh, poo-pooing. Do we want to go to what, what we did we like? I'm going to say that I honestly thought all the kids at the house party at the very beginning, yep. some of whom end up as... 
people who carry us through the entire film. I thought they were all going to get murdered. Yeah. I thought it was going to be Jason Voorhees shows up, kills all those people, sets the plot off. Yeah. So that's that's how unlikable and one-dimensional they were. Yeah. Uh, what did I like? Uh, I, or what did you at least keep? <laughs> uh, well, I think... Likes the, a strong I word. think the, the, the initial uh, Freddy-Jason fight um, where you start to understand... Um, you see Jason's Jason at his weakest kind of thing. Like he gets, he gets turned into a, like his, his childhood self within his own dream. And you, um, and you start to understand Freddie's power over him. I thought that whole dynamic was interesting. And the, and, and, um, it was kind of the few scenes, um, in which I felt like they were um, shot in interesting ways. At least as far as like color and tone and stuff like yeah. that. And most of the movie's pretty ugly, I think. Yeah. I uh, I really it came late in the movie, but once it was established, I was like, this is my favorite part of this, and I wish it had been the the almost the whole like the overarching theme was that Freddie died to fire and Jason died drowning, and you've got this like song of ice and fire, like one is one hates fire, one hates water. Yeah. And I'm like, that you could, like, that. The, the, I feel like the script writes itself once you make that connection. And if you made it really early on, yeah. um, I, ha- I have some notes that I think play on that specifically. You, but oh, I, you have some notes, do you? I do. do I, you have, on this podcast, uh, you have some notes. Um, <laughs> I just, I'm like, I'm excited to share my idea, but it'll come later. Um, but no, I just, that, that duality of like, one died to fire, one died to water, but yet they're completely different franchises. They, I'm like, yeah, they make, like you were saying, they make great natural enemies um, on paper. So. Yeah, um, I like, and I mean, this is kind of a premise that that uh, runs through all of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. But I like that Freddy's powers are contingent on belief, and I kind of like the initial plot setup of the the town keeping people ignorant of him so that there's no belief for him to feed off of. Yeah. Like, and that's legitimately weakened him. I think that's an interesting idea. Yeah, that's not executed well or paid off but or yeah. <laughs> or paid off um <laughs> it's a neat idea though. and i but i think that that still could be an element in in the ultimate plot we end up with yeah i think freddy krueger looked better in previous movies oh yeah, yeah I he looks his skin looks pretty fakey yeah yeah i think they needed to it kind of almost yeah. looks like they they put leopard print over his face <laughs> like this just, just doesn't look scary I didn't like. There's nothing about this movie that's scary, and that's another fairly oh, large yeah. problem with it. At no point was it. Yeah, they. <sighs> Freddy Krueger should, in theory, be very menacing mm-hmm. um, and very frightening because he is a, a monster. Yeah. Of the two villains, he is the most monstrous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yet he's like goofy, wackety, schmackety. And I, I get that that's part of the sequel decay yeah. for him. Um. He's because, also the only two that can talk. Yeah, but, and I mean, he's he likes to taunt his victims, yeah. but I know that as the movies progressed, it turned from I'm I'm toying with my victims to more I'm just a wacky guy, wackety yeah. schmackety. It doesn't play well here, yeah. and it doesn't no. play well off of Jason because Jason's a cipher. Yeah, he has no emotions, and he's just a pillar. Yeah. <laughs> and Freddie has nothing to play off of. Yeah, yeah, so. <laughs> Yeah, that's why that dream sequence is so important to the movie because it gives you it gives you something to feel for Jason yeah. at some point, right? Like that needed to happen a lot earlier. Like if that scene was at the beginning, if that was sort of like the the cold open of like of Freddy basically enslaving Jason to do his bidding in the in the real world, then that would have been really interesting. And imagine that. Imagine like if you did that and then Jason becomes the 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 protagonist at the end because he turns on freddy that would be a really interesting I mean, dynamic i mean that's more or less my change yeah <laughs> um yeah so way to spoil the second half of the podcast <laughs> sorry yeah i really i you empathize with with pre pre-drowning dream jason quite a bit well and Jason's- mostly also because you, you're just jonesing for an empathetic character oh yeah because well, yeah, like yeah. all the humans are awful yeah the well and of the two villains Jason has a sympathetic origin story. Yeah. Like, he's the bullied, ugly kid who was treated badly and drowned because the grown-ups who were supposed to be in charge of him were being irresponsible. Yeah. And, like, he's angry at the world, and he's angry at the people who hurt him, and he's lashing out. And, I mean, he's a monster. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not condoning his murder spree. No. <laughs> but he has a sympathetic origin story. Precisely. Freddy Krueger is a 
rapist and a child molester who only somehow gets worse <laughs> who who also then got like it, a grave injustice was done when he did not get charged yeah and so like he was he was rightfully burned alive yeah and somehow got worse you are correct yeah. so he is an actual monster so, of the two, yeah, Jason's the natural fit for the hero in this story. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to be cheering for Freddy anytime soon. No. Even if the movie kind of seems like it wants you to at certain points. Yes, it does. Yeah. The movie is incorrect. <laughs> Freddy Krueger should never be sympathetic. Yeah. I have a question. Going back to um, the plot points that were missed in this movie. Um did they ever reveal who killed um, um, Lori's mom? Yeah, it was Freddy Krueger. Freddy Krueger killed her. Yeah. Okay. I think it's highly implied. I don't think they ever clearly that stated. That it wasn't, it wasn't actually her dad. Yeah. Or it was her dad being possessed. One or the other. And I feel like oh. if you had seen whatever the last movie is, you would know that. That's some, that's some you know. Were they in the last movie? Probably. I think that's it. That's what I took away from this. I did not see the, the second to most recent <laughs> I think, movie. But it was, that's what I picked up my context clues. Yeah. That that, I mean, that, one that of my cuts. me out a lot. One of my absolute cuts for this movie is the continuity. Yep. Like, don't, this is standalone. Yep. What happened before in both franchises, forget about it. Yep. Like, it's kind of there in the background, but it's not important. This is a, a new story with these two characters, and what happened before is done. And we're not bringing any of it into this, so that people who are fans of one franchise or the other can still enjoy it, and people who are coming for the spectacle can still enjoy it, without literally being like, I don't know who any of these people are, and you're not telling me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, I felt like there was a lot of, there was a lot of stuff that weren't, that wasn't either clearly explained or, or uh, people suddenly became experts on, on Freddie and Jason when it was convenient. Yeah. Yeah. Like suddenly, like when they got in the, into the van and they, and they're doing this whole, like, we're going to put Lori to sleep and then she's going to go pull Freddie out of the dream sequence. Right. So we can fight him in the real world. Like, like I was like, how did you guys figure all that stuff out? Yeah, yeah and the, 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 the pull him into the real world was nothing more than her bringing the ear back with her. And the the fact that the the nerd and the police officer are both just suddenly experts on Jason Voorhees and the Camp Crystal Lake murders out of the blue. Yeah. Like partway through the movie, they're just like, well, we did some research and now we know everything there is to know about this guy. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> maybe again, maybe that was the opportunity to have someone from the Friday the 13th franchise show up looking for the monster that just wandered away from Camp Crystal Lake for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody seen Jason. I lost him. Lost yeah, we, we thought that guy was dead and buried and he's up walking and he's scary monster guy and we're kind of concerned. So yeah. we came following him. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be nice to have some sort of waypoint into him. And it would definitely help, like anybody who's not a fan of either franchise, for them to sort of ease their self, ease themselves into it. Yeah. And so I felt like often I was getting whiplash from what was happening. Yeah, yeah. Or like having to really struggle to like piece together context clues. Like it, it became evident early on that I'm like, I feel like I need to have watched whatever the last Friday the Thirteenth or um, uh, Nightmare Nightmare on Elm Street movie was to get these characters and this like you know the the, the town making the kids forget and yeah. all this shit. But there's also, but I also feel like I don't know how much of that was like the movie assuming you knew things from the last one, and how much of it was just like bad editing and bad storytelling. Because at one point, like, where did that van come from? I believe it's mentioned that it was his dead brother's van. Okay, the blonde yeah. kid. Whose but like they just suicide. they just were in the van at one point, and I'm like, I had to rewind to be like, did I miss them running out of the mental institution and into a, a titty van? Like. <laughs> Yeah. Nope, I didn't. Did I miss them stealing it at the high school? Nope, I didn't. They just are in a van. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I did not rewind it when I got confused because the movie was boring me so much that I just like I do not want to rewatch any of it. A couple this. times I like looked at my phone and then I'm like, wait, am I missing key details yeah. here? Because I looked at my phone. <laughs> it's also tonally all over the place, oh, kind yeah. of like it. On in some cases, it's like this is a scary horror movie, and in this case, it's like this is kind of a comedy, and in this case, is it's like it's a parody, wink, and it's and at other yeah. times, it's like you know what's going on, right? And other times, <laughs> and you're like no, <laughs> and it's 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 just all over the place. Like at one point, 
at one point they're trying to present Freddy as being kind of scary and menacing, and then it just turns right around and has him do something goofy. Yeah, I think we're uh, we're in agreement that definitely cut the continuity as well as uh, some of the cuts you suggested. Um, but I think we all uh, definitely have some thoughts on how we can make this better. So why don't we uh, go to the break and see how we can uh, notarize this uh, into a better movie? Into a better movie, indeed. Taproot Edmonton publishes a weekly food roundup sharing the latest on the restaurants, chefs, producers, events, and more. It's curated by Sharon Yeo, a longtime blogger at Only Here for the Food and a keen student of Edmonton's food scene. Subscribe right now to the food roundup for free at taprootedmonton.ca. Christina is a foodie with passion for healthy, casual vegan food. With a business plan in mind for a health-conscious eatery, she reached out to ATB. After being introduced to a manager of entrepreneurship, she was happy to find out that he not only supported her dream, but was excited about it too. Now Christina has two successful KB&Co restaurant locations in Edmonton, serving delicious, plant-based food to vegans and non-vegans alike. To hear more about Christina's story, visit atb.com Christina and visit atbentrepreneurcenter.com to learn more. Thank you again to our fabulous sponsors, but it's time that we uh, share our notes and our thoughts on Freddy versus Jason, uh, much discussed in the first half here. But I, I think there is a, a nugget of an idea that we can fix up and, and shape up into something uh, presentable, uh, albeit bloody. Do you yeah. want to go first, Scott, since I, I ruined and spoiled your change? <laughs> well, I was going to say, one one thing that we didn't really mention last time is that there was demand for this movie. Yeah. Uh, people wanted to see Jason Voorhees and Freddy Krueger fight. So like that in itself on paper works. And I think that the movie needs to focus more on that um, rather than focus so much on the subplot involving the kids. The kids are window dressing. We're not here to see the kids uh, beat Freddy Krueger. We're here to see Jason Voorhees beat Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. And so I think that means you need to bump up Jason's role in the movie. And you need to make him the protagonist, which sounds strange, yeah. but he, of the two monsters, he's the sympathetic one. He's Frankenstein's monster versus Dracula. Yeah. Dracula's a complete monster. Frankenstein's monster is sympathetic. Yeah. And you can get behind him. Victim of circumstance. Exactly. So I kind of agree with what Greg kind of was jokingly pitching yeah. in the first half, which was make it more explicit that Freddy Krueger is uh, enslaving Jason. Mm-hmm. Or, um, manipulating. or manipulating him with some serious mind games. And when that becomes apparent to Jason, who's going to be slow on the pickup, he's going to turn on on Freddy. And we're going to be rooting for him to turn on Freddy. Yeah. And I think that that's where you need to focus the movie. I, yeah, I think you're right, especially because you're saying it is a, it's a Friday the 13th. Uh, no, I got it wrong. Again. Nightmare on Elm Street movie. So the the protagonists of any Nightmare on Elm Street movie beat Freddy. Yeah, make Jason the you know. Um, I, I would I would agree. And in fact, I'd I'd say one of my sort of thoughts on this was like every other, not just Friday the Thirteenth or um, Nightmare on Elm Street movie, but any horror movie has that thing where they like give you these sympathetic humans that you kind of begin to empathize with, and then the killer is slowly revealed, you know, you get to see. But we're already so familiar with these characters. I mean, they're both on the poster. Their names are in the movies. I'm not saying do away with human characters altogether. There there needs to be a body count in this movie. They are two slashers. But we need to follow one one or both of them, like, essentially as, like, if not the protagonist, through their lens, because... Following, you know, Blonde Lady number two, just it, it barely matters in a regular movie. It definitely doesn't matter in this one. Yeah, I kind of actually agree with that. I think that our focal character in the movie kind of should have been Jason Voorhees. Yeah. We should have been following him around. Um, and then maybe some of the human characters who he's stalking are responsible for really tipping him off that he's being used. Yeah. And then maybe they help him beat Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm all in for a Jason Voorhees heel face turn in this movie. Like, yeah, yeah, it would be cool. It would be a little unexpected, and it would give us someone to really root for. Yeah, as opposed to some characters we don't really care about facilitating getting us to the climax where the two monsters actually fight, 
like have the monsters be more involved with each other right from the get go, and give it more build up, yeah, more better build up. <clears throat> yeah, I'm kind of wondering what to what to hang the rest of that plot off of. Like we, you keep the whole um, adults. Uh, pacifying the kids with drugs, kind of thing, so that they don't think about Freddy. Is that uh, is that a good enough well, I, I device still think, to hang it on? I think that is. Freddy still needs a reason to have mind controlled Jason. We'll just call it mind control for now. Yeah, yeah. Um, possibly by posing as Mrs. Voorhees, mm-hmm. classic First Friday the Thirteenth villain. Um, and the reason he needs to do that is because people are forgetting about him, and he's powered by fear. Like yeah. he eats their delicious fear before he murders them. And so he needs help doing that. Nobody's remembering him, so he can't affect the waking world anymore. He finds a different monster to do it for him. Mm-hmm. Um, that that works on paper. I don't yeah. think it was executed very well, but it works. Mm-hmm. And so the reason that the uh, town is forgetting about Freddy also works on paper. Because the adults are actively trying to suppress knowledge about him. Mm-hmm. Well, you had said something off the top that I... I <clears throat> You had said something off the top that I, I really liked where you're like, lose all the canon. This is a fresh start. We're going to take these two characters who you only know from a pop culture zeitgeist perspective yeah. and put them in their own movie. Monster Squad, that's Monster, yeah, exactly. And so I had actually, while I was watching this, I was so frustrated with them. I'm like, this, I don't want any of this continuity. And I, I came up with like four premises just based on Freddy fighting Jason. Let's hear With it. no other ones. So the, the main ones would be just like, you have two, you essentially do two mini movies that bounce back and forth where it's a bunch of kids doing a Friday the 13th thing and a bunch of kids doing a Nightmare on Elm Street thing and they're happening in tandem. Freddy and Jason are just doing their Freddy Jason thing and those teen kids realize the way you beat like they go to in in their attempt to go get something to beat Jason, they bump into the kids trying to beat Freddy and realize that they can pit that the solution to their problem is to pit them against each other, and so and those those two storylines intersect partway through Act Two, and that's how you get the verses is these two different groups of kids who don't you know because uh, the problem with these movies and these sequels is like how many different ways can the teens find to beat the bad guy. In this scenario, it's you call the other camp to come <laughs> fuck, you know, it's like and you, you swap villains. and, and It's the, almost like a cabin in the woods scenario where like they just they sort of like find the all the extra all the villains and then put them in one place and they sort of uh, mutually assured destruction. Yeah. Uh, so that, that was one of them. Uh, the other one I call uh, Freddy versus Jason coast to coast, uh, where it's more of like a road trip adventure uh, where they're chasing <laughs> they're chasing one victim like across America. Uh, maybe together, maybe it's like a buddy, con- or maybe they're like it's like a like a race, like well, kind of like a rat race, or or around the world run. in cannonball run, cannonball around the world run in with slasher monsters, yeah, where they're just both trying to like e- either Freddy and Jason are chasing the same moving target, or a group from Crystal Lake have to escape to Elm Street or escape to Crystal Lake, uh, and they're just moving from one problem to another mm-hmm. um, with a, with a bit of a more of a road trip momentum to it, right? Yeah, uh, the next two are just jokes but i like them uh um, <laughs> one this one's freddy v jason uh where they have to make a case in hell on which one gets <laughs> to kill a certain villain um perhaps they have like demon lawyers and they're just like you know uh or, or which and then also maybe like maybe the court case is who who gets to kill a certain victim or maybe it's like whichever one wins this court case is relieved of their court curse <laughs> like jason Voorhees gets put to rest <laughs> or, or you know. Uh, and then the final one I call Freddy Loves Jason, uh, where it's it's actually like a courtship romance, like a like a kind of a call me by your name thing, where like or like an old Victorian like uh, you know Pride and Prejudice style uh, thing where they bump into each other, they have like a meet cute while slaying teenagers, and they realize they actually have a lot in common. And then they like, and they then start they find, hanging out. They start hanging out, but then they find out they're actually opposed to each other, and their 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 philosophies are no longer in line. And they have that break, and they come back together. And it's again, it's told through their perspective as they're just butchering every <laughs> sexy teen that comes in their way. It's following the narrative beats of like a courtship romance. So, Freddie loves Jason. Freddie v Jason, coast to coast, or just have two have the two movies intersect. Because again, I, I go, I want to go back to my, I love the fire water duality, and I think. With my much more earnest pitch of the the two 
the two mini movies. The two mini movies. You you play up the fire and water duality to make a, a crisscross. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all those sound like different more movies. fun than anything <laughs> that we got in this movie. I gotta say, like I'm much more interested in, in any of those versions than what we got. Because like, because like, even if it was like a, a wild, wacky adventure. I mean, I, I, taking into account that we already established it, like it's hard to do that with Freddy. But like, still, like at least I don't know. Like, I think I think I would have appreciated something that's that's much more wacky than than what we got. Yeah. Like, either either want to take this like pretty, you either want to play it super straight, or you got to go the other way and, and just and, and make it the the ridiculous farce that, yeah. it, that it is. In my mind, anyway. Yeah. Well. My instinct is that it should be more serious because at the end of the day, you're trying to pit two horror movie monsters against mm-hmm. one another, and you're trying to you're trying to make a scary movie at the same time to a certain extent. So I think my instinct would be to go more serious sure. to make it more of like an R-rated movie. Yeah, I, I would agree, and I, I and I think the solution there is like like maybe the sort of thing of like they start off on Elm Street. And they go to seek sanctuary at Crystal Lake, and they swap one problem for another, and that way you have all the like terror, the actual terror of the originals, but you're bouncing between oh god, if I fall asleep, oh god, if I go out in the woods alone. Um, and we <laughs> yeah, just feel like what they tried to do, you're, but you're locked up no matter what's going on. Yeah, but but this had this was so bogged down in the continuity that it was like more of like trying to justify instead of just. Yeah. Sticking with the, the Elm Street town thing, like, uh, could we Pleasantville this a little bit, where the, the the kids in the town have been so pacified uh, by the adults that, like, say it's this is like this is maybe like a decade or so in the future, like now you've now Elm like the Elm Street town or uh, has been turned into sort of like the the ideal community. Mm-hmm. And like everything is great there, yeah. everything is wonderful, and that gives you and and and, and really un- underneath it all, like there's there's this sort of seedy thing that's going on that's sort of pacifying the town. So like when Freddy starts using Jason to uh, cause uh, chaos in the town, then there's a real tension for the adults to try and cover everything up. Uh, uh, um, because because they think it, they think all the murders are are Freddy like they do in the movie, yeah, uh, right. But they have a, but they're really really trying hard to cover everything up and and pacify their children even more. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm down with that so long as that plot actually pays off in our version of the movie, which means that the town needs to be shown that they're wrong, that it's Freddy mm-hmm. uh, who's terrorizing mm-hmm. the kids and not Jason, which doesn't happen in this movie. Yeah. Um, and that there needs to be some comeuppance for them having done this to their kids, which again does not. So Jason needs to go on a killing spree through the police station. It's basically that's the solution. Yeah. Right. The police are so hung up on the idea that it's Freddy and are so intent on keeping it quiet that when the Terminator shows up to yeah. butcher everyone to get to Sarah Connor, they're completely caught flat-footed. I was yeah. just thinking of that the Terminator scene. Too. Yeah, that would be but, great. In and, and it would make a great set piece to have all these cops who are completely unprepared to deal with Jason Voorhees. Yeah, because and Jason Voorhees, to the best of my knowledge, has never fought a police station full of police before. Yeah, so that's awesome. <laughs> and the police are the bad guys, so we still get to root for Jason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's because again, a lot of the, like the elements, like the fundamental premise of this movie, they do kind of work. But I was even just thinking as we were talking here, like Jason's or Freddie's whole thing is like people forget, people have forgotten about me, uh, and I need to, they need to remind him. And instead of this ham-fisted, like let's pick Jason up at a Crystal Lake and drop him, what if all those placated kids with the the Timosil or whatever it is, uh, Hypnosil? Mm-hmm. Um, the, those those kids who have been spent years placated with this drug go to Camp Crystal Lake. One of them drops their drug on the way, spends one night in a creepy cabin, and suddenly remembers this monster that they has, fought. Has a nightmare and brings Freddy to Crystal Lake. It just it's like a guy who lives in dreams can go anywhere, but a guy whose soul is bound to a campsite. Maybe you should just stay in the damn campsite. Yeah, like like Jason in the to the best of my knowledge in the Friday movies never really leaves Crystal Lake except for, for Jason. For long. Except for Jason takes Manhattan, which is mostly on a cruise ship, as I understand it. Huh, but anyway, <laughs> um, the 
Yeah, just- the, the weird thing is, I'm just going to put this out there. If Freddy Krueger really wanted to grab another slasher franchise character and drop him into a suburban area to murder kids to drudge up fear, yeah. he grabbed the wrong guy yeah. because that's Michael Myers's shtick. Right. Michael Myers is a suburban murderer who lurks in houses in the dark and kills people. Yeah. That was the guy to grab. And I realized <laughs> that this is not Freddy versus Michael. Yeah. Um, but like, just from a logical point of view, you grabbed the wrong guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, you grabbed a- the rural killer. You might as well have grabbed Leatherface. Like you yeah. grabbed the rural killer <laughs> instead of the urban killer. Do you think Leatherface was sad he didn't get invited? Uh, maybe yeah. a little. I mean, Michael Myers also didn't yeah. get invited. Pinhead. Chucky. Pinhead. Pinhead. <laughs> Actually, uh, Bride of Chucky was the movie that the director had done immediately prior to this one. Well, yeah. That's even because there was talk, like they, I, one of the notes I was reading or like um, trivia was like they, they they were hoping to set up a sequel where maybe like Pinhead or someone gets involved. And I'm kind of like, I realized they obviously didn't have the budget. They didn't want to get the rights. But if they could like Lego Batman this a little where <laughs> Freddy doesn't just go get Jason, he goes and gets all of them the way that like the Joker in the Lego Batman movie goes and gets like King Kong and Voldemort. And, and then just, it just turns out to be a terrible idea. Yeah, and then, and then now you've got this Justice League of, of villains to come fuck up Freddy. Um, <laughs> this is definitely, but that's so there's so little going on in this movie that I feel like all we can do is just wish for wish for a better movie. wish for more fun. Yeah, because it wasn't fun. It wasn't scary or fun. And it needed to be one or the other. Yeah. And I think I think at least two out of three of us agree that it should have been scary. Yeah. Greg might be of the opinion it should have been more fun. Well, no, I think scary's. I, I think. I, I mean, I was disappointed it wasn't scary. Uh, and I, I mean, I'm you. I'm used to some genuine gore in in like Jason movies and stuff like that, and there was kind of none of that. And the the special effects for the gore was bad. really bad. And Jason like kills his body count is quite high in this movie, yeah. but it's also kind of lame compared to some of the stuff I've seen him do on at least YouTube clips or in. Yeah the little bits and pieces of the films that I've seen before. The funny thing is Anita hates horror movies and she sat through about half of this film with me thinking that it was ridiculous. Like there were no jump scares. The gore was really lame. It was so tame that my scaredy cat wife Mm -hmm. was not like, I need to leave the room now because this movie is too much for me. She was like, that looks terrible and hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) And that's not a good that's not a good look, horror film. Yeah. It's not a good look. You can't do camp deliberately. Like, it either happens organically or it does like... Yeah. 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 So I home- think that, like, I feel... I, I, I look at the, the, the opening to this movie and I feel like there's such a... There's such a wasted opportunity to have, like, a, like a, a legit creepy um, intro that plays out the way you would expect a Friday the 13th movie. Like they, they kind of do it with the, uh, the woman who is on the dock. Yeah. Naked the for dipping. no reason. And yeah. yeah, skinny dipping and, and calling out to a, a boyfriend that we do not see, nor do we ever see, yeah. which well, is because, a little weird. Cause it's all in Jason's. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I like, I think, I think that kind of, that would, that might have worked if it hadn't been preceded by a like a really long monologue by Freddy, right? And like that was it kind of undercut everything. Like yeah. it, that should have been our our like it should have been a, a really creepily shot and gory sort of introduction murder scene that Freddy hijacks in some way. At the yeah. End, right. And then and then we get this sort of like. This this reveal of like here's a here's a villainous monster and like oh here's here's a worse, a, a monster. worse monster yeah who's picking him up and dra- yeah. yeah and then and then and and somehow he seems he's yeah. got control of him or whatever right like he's and he's going to use him for his own purposes until he can't anymore and then we root for that villain if they had even yeah that oh that that opening if they had just flipped it where it starts with like the skinny dipping lady getting murdered by Jason and then. Jason's mom shows up to be like, I need you to go to Elm Street. Mm-hmm. And then it's revealed. And then we get the the history of J- of, uh, of Freddy. Like if they had just flipped it around, it probably would have worked better. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I also was disappointed because I really liked the montage of the old clips. I'm like, oh, that's fun. I haven't seen most of these movies. It's fun to see all these different ways that like 
Freddy has fucked people up uh, over the years and the different like practical effects from older movies mm-hmm. kind of put into this modern movie. Um, but then we didn't get that with Jason. And I'm assuming it's like a rights thing probably. Maybe. Um, but I'm like, oh, we got a new Jason scene after a super cut of classic Freddy scene. And I'm like, oh, I, I was like looking forward to like the super cut of Jason stuff as someone who hasn't seen all the movies. And then we just got, I mean, yeah. very rarely will I complain about boobs, but here I am. Uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean the 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 opening could have could have really just been like a, a really uh, you know an interesting reshoot of um, Freddy Krueger's uh, burning alive, right, or something like that. Like you could have done that too, and that would have been kind of interesting because it, it, like the uh, as a as a franchise marrier, you're trying to reintroduce the audience to the two characters. So um, I mean that would have worked too, but and the kind of tragedy is that if this movie had been better it could have served as an opportunity to revitalize both franchises yeah yeah to a certain extent mostly it feels like a desperate money grab that, that again was, it was that was sure to doom both franchises for like a decade or more people wanted to see this fight yeah. and the reason it took so long to happen was you were right because of the rights because it's yeah. two different studios um and there are, it's, yeah, it's just a shame that it happened so late and that it happened so kind of poorly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know if we fixed it, but we, there's, I mean, take what you will. Yeah, <laughs> Any, a couple good ideas. Yeah. Yeah, part, part of me, yeah, likes the either, yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> well. Yeah, sometimes they're tough. Sometimes. Yeah. And they can't be fixed in twenty minutes. Sorry, or, or at least without without we're not gods. Yeah, without a page one rewrite. You know? Yeah, um, or like it, you know, even having being able to sort out our thoughts like kind of on paper in front of it. Because part of me is like, I do like this. You know, the community suppresses the memory. Let's pay it off. I also like cutting all the canon wholesale. Like both. Yeah. Like a lot of this movie was like either go one way or the other, but they tried to kind of go down the middle, and you get nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but those were uh, those were our thoughts. Uh, you too can get on the note having. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll let you know what movie is coming up next, and you can get your notes read on the show just like these people are about to. Uh, these were some comments we curated from our social media feeds uh, and a lot of interesting thoughts to be sure. Uh, Andrew Craig says, uh, I enjoyed the hell out of it, and I thought it was a great mashup. However, I would say it suffered from the glossy 90s horror vibe that was popular then. The teens were all CW-worthy, and it looked slick and clean. Aesthetically, they should have gone more gritty 80s and exploited the typical cliches of each franchise to greater degree. I found myself rooting for the kids to die because they were so incredibly nauseating (laughs) instead of knowing they were going to die because they broke the rules. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. super fair. Yeah, none of the kids are particularly likable. No. No. And that's what you're saying, too. It looked kind of fake. It looked kind of like... At the top, you're saying, like, Freddy didn't look good in this movie. He no. Looked... And that sort of definitely contributed to it not feeling creepy enough. Yeah. Like, his 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 mask looks like a, it looks like what you would wear to a party for <laughs> if yeah. you were going to pl- uh, be Halloween. You know, yeah. Freddy the, Krueger for Halloween. The redesign on both characters was not super great. Jason, I would argue, looked better than Freddy. But yeah. Jason's guess, also but like not Jason's much. also a much plainer looking Yeah. He, he looked character. to me more like more like the, the parody version of, of Jason. The scene, so I hated the second Jason or Freddy came into reality, like from the dream and into reality. You're like, he's a guy now. I was quite upset by that because I'm like, I just don't like, and like he he does, he shouldn't be out walking around. But there was this scene where Kelly Rowland's character was taunting Freddy, like, I'm not afraid of you. And first of all, she was just being like, it wasn't a good, like she was doing the hand wave, like, I'm not afraid of you. You're me, 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 me. Uh, and it was just kind of like not well delivered. Like it was such an opportunity for a comedic moment and she didn't do well. But also he's now like he's lost all of his power by being a guy. Like the idea that he can turn into a slug or he can turn into a cloud of smoke kind of gives him the medicine. But the fact that he's walking and there's a point where she's mocking him where the actor just kind of does this weird little shrug and like kicks out his heel like, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, this like is completely, de- it just diminished the whole thing. And they, that, yeah, that look, it didn't look. Yeah. Yeah. But that was just this little shrug he did that I was just like, wow, you've 
taken all gravitas yeah, out of this character. I remember there was a moment in that scene when they shot them at like right at the side at a completely flat angle, and like it was just like yeah, I don't know, it's just like it's a direction thing, but it's just like there was nothing, there was nothing that they did to help that scene out at all. Yeah, and it, yeah, it didn't work. Um, and the. The interesting thing is, is that I couldn't help... Like, I recently watched It Chapter 2. Yeah. And It Chapter 2 has a villain who is more or less the same as Freddy Krueger. He's a monster who feeds on fear, who preys primarily on children. Or It does. Yeah. Um, And it's very well executed. And it's very well executed, the idea that you can fight back with your belief. And I couldn't couldn't help but think about that. Yeah. Especially in that final battle where it was just like... Oh, this could have been handled so much better. <laughs> yeah, he's just a guy now. Yeah. He's just a dude. Tony says, uh, my number one note is don't hire a body double for one pointless nude scene. Yeah. yeah. Which one was that? Was that the, I, I the, think he's referring, the ginger snaps girl? Yeah, when okay. she was uh, uh, sleeping with someone, I think. Because it was even, uh, um, she apparently had a no nudity clause, and then the director was like, no, come on, come on. Oh, that's she, gross. Yeah, and she was like, no, it's in my damn contract, which is why there's a body double. Which is uh, unfortunate. Uh, Cinematological says, one, how dare you? (laughs) Two, I worked with this director before this film was made and read an early draft. He had no idea who Freddie and Jason were and saw it as a career move after Formula 51. Uh, (laughs) Sure. Uh, uh, Three, Kane Hodder as Jason. That was the original uh, uh, person who played Jason, or at least played him uh, the most number of times. Um, But I I can see why they cast like a bigger, bulkier guy just to give a... Yeah, it makes sense. Give a dynamic. And a four, not R-rated enough. I would agree. Yeah. Um, pretty- yeah, I think we touched on that on a couple times. It's just, yeah. You know, uh, on the one hand, I can understand wanting Jason Voorhees to be physically bigger than Freddy Krueger. And on the other hand, why? Why does that matter? Freddy Krueger is also supposed to be menacing. Freddy Krueger is arguably supposed to be the villain in this movie. Yeah. Why couldn't they be the same height? Mm-hmm. That's it. Of of all the directorial choices they made, that's not the one I'm going to hold their feet to the fire no. on. <laughs> no, but <laughs> it's it's something to think about. Like yeah. they could have gone with the original actor, and I think it still would have worked just fine. I don't think well, you needed I mean, there's that. Lots of size ways, there's lots of ways to uh, to shoot it so yeah. that Jason looks more menacing, even though he's not taller than than Freddy, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, they made uh, Tom Hardy look enormous in the dark knight rises and he's a small man yeah right so it's just, it all matters of how you shoot it and and how you uh how you uh, clothe them and all that kind of stuff absolutely well that was all of our comments again you can follow us on social media if you want to get in on the notes having just comment uh on our posts about the movies we're doing our next one is going to be the scorpion king some of our listeners are going to be super excited. I enjoyed this one. I enjoyed Scorpion more, King more than this one. I'll say that. <laughs> That's probably accurate. Uh, but we're not here to talk about Scorpion King. We're here to bring uh, uh, bring Freddy versus Jason to a close. Uh, I think that this movie effectively brought them to yeah. a close because <laughs> they were both rebooted immediately following. So. Yeah, precisely. Um, again, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at I Have Some Notes. If you like the show, please consider uh, a rate and a review on iTunes. It really helps us out. You can find our episodes on the CKUA radio app uh, or download it from the Apple App Store. Remember to check out all of our sibling shows at the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Uh, We post new episodes every second week, so tune in two weeks from now, where, as I mentioned, we will be doing Dwayne Johnson in The Scorpion King. Uh, I've been Liam Kreswick. I'm Greg Beaver. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. Keep watching the skies. For flying heads, flying severed heads. (laughs) 